Beitza, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Dalid, 1-4, and another Mishnah on the topic of the Shovach, the dovecote, in which one had designated before Yom Tov a pair of birds for consumption on Yom Tov. And our Mishnah here will discuss various scenarios in which the way he left things the day before on Erev Yom Tov, when he designated the birds he'd be eating on Yom Tov, um, when he comes on Yom Tov itself, he doesn't find things as he left them. And the normal rule is that a chazaka, if things are if things retain their halachic status um, based on the status quo, if things are how you left them, you can assume that the birds that you left today are the very birds. Excuse me, the birds that you left yesterday are the very same birds that you find when you come back today. But if things have changed and they're no longer how you left them, the question arises: Is it safe to assume, and is it halachically permissible to assume, that? The birds that you now want to take are the birds that were designated for consumption, therefore not muktza, today. So the first case of the Mishnah, I'm going to explain it. I'll read the words and I'll explain it without translating literally because the literal translation is is misleading. Um, the first case is, um, and really, let me explain now, all, all the cases really are, are based on the setup of a shovach. Remember, the shovach essentially is kind of like a, a not just a birdhouse, but like a bird hotel where you have... Uh, many rows and columns of little cubbies, or in England they call them pigeonholes, as the case is. Um, and in each cubby, there is a separate pair of birds who have nested, and they have some chicks, the squabs, the baby doves or pigeons there um, in that little cubby hole. So in front of each of those cubbies, there is a shelf, like a a daf, a shelf, and that shelf is shared by multiple cubby holes or pigeonholes. Um, whereas within each cubby or pigeonhole is clearly the home of one particular, I'll call it family, of, of birds. So for our purposes, and to make things clear here, just if you've ever played chess or use Microsoft Excel, we'll refer to you know the, the columns A, B, C, D, E, and the rows one, two, three, four, five. So, for argument's sake, here on Erev Yom Tov, you went to, you said the birds that are in um, cubby hole C three. Those are the birds I'm going to be eating tomorrow for my Yom Tov meal. And when you come back on Yom Tov, what you C three isn't how you left it. So, the first case, of the Mishnah, um, and again, I'm going to not translate, but I'll explain, is where you actually identified a pair of birds in C three. Let's say blackbirds. And another pair of birds in cubbyhole C4, let's call those white birds. So the question is, what happens if when you come back on Yom Tov, you find that C3 is now inhabited by white birds and C4 is inhabited by black birds? So there's been a switcheroo over here. Can you assume that these are the same two pairs of birds that you identified yesterday, they just sort of switch homes, or not? And the mission is going to say, no, you cannot do that. And the words of the Mishnah read, Zimin shechorim umatzalavanim. If you prepared and identified blackbirds on the day before, let's say those are the C3 ones, umatz levanim, and now when you come back on Yom Tov, you find white ones in C3. And also levanim umatz shechorim. You also identified birds in C4 that were white birds, and now when you come back on Yom Tov in C4, you find blackbirds. Then asurim, all the birds in both of those cubbies are forbidden as muktza on Yom Tov, and you can't take any of them to eat. So that's the pshat in the Mishnah. And the rationale is that although the go-to principle, the first stop in resolving any suffix, any 
question of, of that arise in terms of uncertainty in halacha is chazaka, the status quo, and the status quo would have been it's safe to assume that the birds you left in C3 yesterday are the ones you find in C3 today. Um, if you have a good reason to suspect that's not the case, like, for example, they're not where you left them, there's been a switcheroo. So now we have to come to a new principle. And then the the second go-to principle um, in terms of deciding a, a suffix, a doubt, is typically the principle of rove, majority. So in the case here, there we had left blackbirds in C3. Now we find blackbirds in C4. Now, the set of birds that from which these birds that we find in C4 came from, the, the, the possible set of birds from which they came, um, is many birds. There are many, many birds in the neighborhood. And any of them, there are lots of blackbirds these could be. So since the majority of the birds f- of the set from where these, from which these blackbirds could have come um, are muktza birds, and only the minority, there are just two birds that the two blackbirds you picked yesterday that are not muktza, since the majority of that set is muktza, that we describe the status of based on rove on the principle of majority, that now we say that these birds we find came from the majority of the set, meaning the, the muktza birds and all the birds, and these birds are muktza therefore. And same goes with the white birds we find, um, which we had left in C4. Now we find them in C3. Okay, so that's the principle of rove. The Gemara suggests, interestingly, that this would be a proof that when you have a conflict between the principle of rov and another determining principle, which sometimes applies, and um, that's the principle of karov. Karov means proximity, as opposed to rov, which means majority. So the halacha is, lamaisa, is that if you have a conflict between the principles of rov and karov, the majority versus proximity, you go after rov majority. So meaning, over here... The closest birds, the closest blackbirds that we know of are the ones that were in, you know, in C3. Now they're in C, now they're, and we, can we assume therefore the ones in C4 were from C3 yesterday, the closest birds to identify? And the answer is no, you can't. You can't rely on Karov of proximity when you have a larger rove majority, which mitigates against that. Okay? Even though the Gemara actually rejects that proof, um, to establish the, use this as a proof that rove majority takes, um, priority in the hierarchy of decision-making ahead of, of Karov, of proximity. So you can bring a proof from here, says the Gemara, but that is, in fact, the Halach Lamaisa. Fine. Okay, the second case, the Mishnah, is that... Oh, I'm sorry. And if you now go back and read the Mishnah precisely and literally, you will misunderstand it, because the Mishnah literally reads that Zimen Shechor Mumatz Levanam, like you just... Case is you had left blackbirds in C3, and now when you come back to C3... On Yom Tov, you find white birds, and similarly, Levanu Matzashecharim. Or if you designated white birds in C three, and you come back and find not blackbirds there, in both those cases, the birds are forbidden. But the Gemara says that is untenable as the pshat because it's obvious that if you left blackbirds and now you find them white birds, obviously the birds that you're finding are the birds that you left. That goes without saying, and therefore, of course, the new birds that you found are muktzah. So that's not the pshat in our mission. The pshat in our mission is where you have two pairs of birds and they got potentially switched. And you're not sure whether you can ascribe the two pairs to just have switched locations. The answer is no, you cannot, and they're all mukta. Okay. The next case, the Mishnah, is Shnaim Umatsa Shlosha. You had designated two birds yesterday as the ones for lunch today on Yom Tov. When you go back to C3, you don't find two birds. Instead, you find three birds there, which means that at least one of those birds in the mix um, came from the set of birds that weren't that are mukta. 
because you didn't prepare three, you prepared two. So, of course, this assumes that you can't identify your two birds. If you recognize the birds from before, you know, you picked birds that had little red flecks under their eyes, and now and that's, a, that's a unique distinguishing feature. Obviously, if you see a red fleck under the eye, you can see it's the same bird. But if that's not the case, you just don't know which of the three birds are the ones that you pick, are which the three from the three birds you find, which of the two you designated yesterday. So all three of them are treated as muktza, um, because one is added and that one that one's muktza, and you, we can't, so to speak, we're not going to take the chance, quote unquote, of touching muktza of the uncertain bird from the three. Now, if you'll ask the question, wait a second, we have the principle of bitzel barov, which is when you have a mixture of multiple items, in this case. Three birds, and the majority of the mixture, meaning two out of the three birds are permitted, is not being muktzah. So the principle is that bitzel the third one loses identity and the status of the entire mixture, all three birds, should be heter, should be not muktzah, and they should all be permitted. Why then do we have to go lachom and be strict on this situation? It's a rabbinic issue. Why would we be strict and not rely on bitzel so the answer, there are a couple approaches in the Roshonim, but the, the basic answer before I get to the, the technical part is that there are certain kinds of things um, which the rabbinically are considered too significant to be uh, bottle, to lose their identity. And a classic example of that is Balechaim, living creatures. Any berry, any whole creature, it's a living creature, um, is significant and can't just become one of a mix. It retains its identity, and it's one of the... Th- Things that are devarmish animus botlam, things that are too significant to be um, lose their identity, and therefore you have a whole bird here, which is a muktza bird, makes all the birds in the mix, meaning all three of the birds that you found there in C three, all of them are now have the status, uh, all of them have a suffix, and therefore since there's no bittel, they all become forbidden. There's another approach they're shown them, um, which is that there's another rule that you don't apply the rule of bittel barov to a mixture which contains devarmish eshlem matirin. That means. Um, it has a mixture of forbidden things, which there's a way to make those forbidden things permitted. Um, and in this case, certainly things that are muktza can become permitted if you wait till after Yom Tov. The muktza status falls away on the weekday, no longer is it forbidden, and therefore all the birds will become permitted. And that being the case, other Roshonim learned that the reason why you can take from, you can't take any of these three birds is because the one bird that is the new bird is not bottle in the mix of the other two, not no bitzel barov, because it is a, it's a, Matirin. It's a way, there's a way to make it all three, not Isra, but all Heter, all permitted, and that is just to wait till after Yom Tov. Okay, kind of technical, but there you go. Okay, the Mishnah continues on and says, Shlosho If on Erev Yom Tov you went to see three, and you, there are three birds there, and you said those are the three birds I'm having for lunch, and when you come back on Yom Tov itself, there are just two birds there, so then Mutarim. Then you can take those two birds and eat them, because the assumption is that the, one of the three birds flew away. But the other two birds retain their chazaka, their status of status quo, where you left them, and you can eat those two. Now the Mishra goes on and says, Besoch haken, umatza lifnei haken, if you left them inside of the cubby. A ken is a nest, so the nest, meaning cubby C3. And when you come back, there's nothing in C3, but right in front of C3 on that shelf in front of it, you find these birds, and also blackbirds, you identified blackbirds, and they're not blackbirds. It doesn't help. Still assume they're forbidden because once they've lost their status of chazaka, they've no longer really left them. So then the birds on the shelf could be any birds. Maybe they're the birds that you identified. Maybe they're birds that those birds flew away and some other birds have landed here on the shelf. You just don't know. And again, this is, you'd have the issue of karov. There's a proximity issue. These birds were closest identified. But you have a rove, a larger set of birds that would be forbidden, and a small, only a small portion of that set are permitted birds that you, predi- that you picked yesterday, and therefore that they're all forbidden.
Okay? Um, if the only two birds that were around yesterday are... There were just two birds yesterday. And actually, as Gamora explains, we're talking about a case where we're, we're, we're talking about um, young fledgling doves or pigeons, squabs again, um, that, that actually are not capable of flying properly. They can only kind of like hop around a bit. So they can move around, they can hop, but they don't really fly. So the, that being the case, birds that hop around don't go too far. The, the Gemara says they wouldn't go more than 50 almost away from home, like 25 meters, 75 feet. They stick around nearby. And if there were no other birds like like those birds, but these two, so now it's safe to assume that, you know, where would the birds have come from if not the birds you left behind? There were just those two. And therefore, if it's just those two, so then, if it just there were just two birds yesterday that fit this description, even though they're not in the place you left them, you can assume that the same two, um, and therefore, you could still take them and eat them. So the Gemara says, obviously, that's true. If there's, well, that goes without saying. There's no question here. If, only, if these are fledging birds that can't fly around, where else would they have come from? Except for the ones that you identified yesterday. So of course these are those that they can't fly around to switch to a switcheroo. So the Gemara says, yeah, the Chiddush is, even if you did have another dove coat within 50 almost of this one, and it also had birds like these, so the birds in theory could have done a switcheroo, but those two dove coats are not an eye shot one of the other. Like, you know, let's say one is on the north side of your house and one's on the east side of your house, such that when you're standing in the dovecote to the north, you can't see the one in the east and vice versa. So then there's no reason to assume that the birds would do a switcheroo and hop from their dovecote to a new dovecote. Um, and the reason why is because although the though little birds like these do range around within you know 50 almost of home, but they only stay within eye shot of their home. They wouldn't like turn around a corner somewhere. So that's the Chiddush of the Mishnah here, which is even if you did have two dovecotes within 50 almost of each other, if they're not with an eye shot one or the other, and then you left two and there's the only two there on Erev Yom Tov, so then on Yom Tov itself you can assume these are the same two, even though they're not in the place where you left them, and you can take them and eat them, and that would be also a Lach Lamaisa. With that, we finish this Mishnah um, and the topic of the dovecotes.